Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are life coaches Cindy Chavez and Jackie Gates. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're also so happy that Cindy Chavez is back and she has survived Hurricane Ida. Um, that was quite a, quite a thing to go through. And yeah. we're very pleased to hear that uh, your family came through it well and so forth. So that, that was all really great news. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have you back. And uh, you, you've got a couple of good topics for this week and next. So I'm kind of yeah. looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be back. And I'm very grateful that, uh, that my family was uh, safe. And I was telling Walt before the show, you know, the power was out as well as all of the, um, you know, Internet connectivity was also out. So when you're waiting, you know, we had a group. We had a group uh, text with all the family members and, you know, certain people are not chiming in and it's 24 hours past the storm and then it's 48 hours past the storm and you're just waiting and everybody's like, has anybody heard from so-and-so? And it's like nothing. And then finally you get that message. It's like, we're good. We're okay. It's like, oh, breathe a big sigh of relief. You know? mm-hmm. Not everybody was that fortunate. So it, uh, I, I'm doubly grateful just to be, to be home. We were told to expect no power for three weeks. And, uh, and I've done that before. <laughs> I don't really want to do, do it again. No, no, no. wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, I was telling somebody, I said, you know, when you go through a hurricane and, and everything's okay, right? I mean, some people go through a hurricane and, and it takes years to come back, but I'm just talking about like you're safe and your home is relatively safe. We had, you know, our, our carport crash down, but you know, we're good. Um, but it's like when you go through that and you go without power for a week or 10 days, you, you lose all that time. Like, you know, sometimes you go on vacation and when you come back, you know, you're rested and everything, but you have to sort of catch up mm-hmm. on everything, right. you know, like you're behind on maybe work or whatever. And so you're playing a little bit of catch up. Well, I was telling somebody, I said, this is like the same thing. Like you have a lost time incident, right? Like you, it's like you woke up and, and it was 10 days later. And also there was no food in the fridge because, you know, you have to throw everything out. So it's just like <laughs> trying to, um, trying to come back from that. It's, it's a little bit of a, you know, well, I only have so much energy that I can put into this, but it'll all even out. And so I'll be really happy when hurricane season's over. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's something so, to look forward to. July or June through November. So mm-hmm. <laughs> please. And hopefully it doesn't extend this year. It has extended in the past. So I hope yeah, not. yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep putting out our, our thoughts about beautiful blue skies and, and yellow sun yes. and puffy little white clouds yes. and <laughs> three mile per hour winds and things like that. <laughs> well, sent me this beautiful text before the hurricane. He said, this is what I'm envisioning. And it was this long, long, beautiful writing of this <laughs> one he was talking about. And my favorite part was the three mile an hour winds. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> yes, I'm going to just keep that in mind. Yeah. I was telling you before the storm, or before the storm, yeah. Well, it is it's going to be a storm. Before the show, uh, that uh, you had asked me about what happened when the remnants of the hurricane came up our way, and actually what was left of the eye. You know, it was basically a tropical depression by the time it got here. But what was left of the eye was aiming straight at our house. So I did the usual thing that I do any time that imminent 
disastrous weather is coming. I did exactly what I described to you. I was intending to divert it to the east. I actually diverted it to the west by accident. So apologies to everyone in the New York area, but uh, we got we avoided the worst of it. <laughs> it's kind of like you're reading something on the screen and it's backwards, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> Next time you have to turn around facing the other direction. It's like, Get the water, water. Oh my goodness! Well, you know, this is this is one of those times where you just learn to to appreciate the contrast, and you know, you, the lows are going to happen, and then you just do what you can to pull yourself up to the highs, and just appreciate, 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 and and then things work out, and that's the good part. It all all ends up working out. So, yeah, and I, well, I had a real experience of that during this hurricane that I wanted to talk about today, because I think it's so important that we mm -hmm. recognize that every experience we have is an opportunity for growth and expansion. And this is a doozy. Have you heard this one, Jackie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you heard the story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is like, okay, <laughs> we're going to go deep down the spiral here. Well, <laughs> because when I, when I got it and you'll know what I mean in a minute, but when I had the sort of epiphany, I wanted to tell everyone about it, but I couldn't mm -hmm. tell everyone because only so many people would really understand what I was talking about, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I call someone that knew nothing about law of attraction or EFT or any of these things. Uh, so Jackie, Jackie got to be on the end of my nonstop blathering about how <laughs> it's yeah. a great privilege. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I, I called Walt and I said, Walt, like I had this, really cool thing happened. I think it's very applicable to law of attraction. So I think it would be a great thing, uh, a great story to tell on the podcast. And, and it has to do with um, a modality called EFT or that, which stands for emotional freedom technique. Um, and some people know it as tapping because you are actually tapping on certain points. And so Walt said, I said, have you and any of the other co-hosts ever talked about tapping? I know we have like just touched on it. We touched on it. Yeah. A little bit, but you know, yeah. so I thought it would be fun to talk about. I don't know it. if we've done an entire show on it. So this may be a first. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this will be a good jumping off point to whatever conversation comes up. Okay. So, so first I think it'd be good to explain a little bit about what EFT is and how it works. And I'll try to do this, uh, keeping in mind that most people are listening and not watching me. Um, but EFT is a modality that taps into energy meridians in the body that are like the acupuncture meridians. But instead of needles, it's tapping, which you can do very easily on your own body with one or two fingers. And the reason why it's called emotional freedom technique is that it also is aligned up with this idea that I think is very much something we talk about a lot in law of attraction. And that is that everything that we have that let's just say causes us trouble, right? Because most of the time when people are going to use a modality to feel better or to heal themselves, it's because they've got some trouble, right? <laughs> it's not like, wow, my life is so great. I need to be here. <laughs> uh, so it's taking into consideration that when we have trouble going on, there's always an emotional component. And even though I know that and have known this for, I think I was trained in EFT 19 years ago. Wow. When I was an office manager for two naturopath, uh, two PhD naturopathic doctors, and they used this modality with patients and they taught it to me so that I could help. And 
back then, I remember uh, the founder of this modality, his name is Gary Craig, and I remember going to his website, and it was like a page or two. It was very small. He gave the instructions on how to do it, and there was really nothing there. And I remember printing out um, at work, you know, printing out the instructions and learning how to do this, and my boss is training me. And then I I did it for a while, and after I stopped working there, I wasn't really using it all that much anymore. And, you know, some years went by. And I started hearing other people talk about tapping. I was like, hey, I know how to do this. <laughs> so I went back to Gary Craig's website and it was like now hundreds of places. And there were like people like Deepak Chopra, you know, giving testimony. And I was like, what in the world has happened? But when my son was a pro cyclist, you know, he wanted to, to win the Tour de France and, uh, we used to tap for him when he was in races. He would ride by us. And he would tap his fingers to his temple. Oh, you said this, yes. And that was his signal to us to, like, start tapping. So we would actually tap surrogately for him. And we would just decide what we were tapping for. Like, maybe he has a leg cramp or he's dehydrated and needs water or whatever. And we would just start tapping. And he'd come around the circuit and he'd give us the thumbs up. <laughs> and we were like, wow, it's working. So, so I'm going to explain the tapping points first. Um it's very simple. The, the point you start with is called the karate chop point, and it's exactly on the side of your hand where if you imagine yourself karate chopping something, that's the point. So I'll, you tap here, and then that's the, what they call the setup point. So you tap there first, and then the circuit goes like this. It's the top of the head. It's the eyebrow point, which is right where your eyebrow starts, where... Your eyebrow is closest to the bridge of your nose. So there's the eyebrow, the outer eye, which is the outside corner of your eye that's closest to your ear, under your eye, under your nose, under your lips, your collarbone, and then your side, like right under your arm where your rib cage is. And that's it. It's that whole circuit. And you just do that over and over. Now, when I first learned about tapping for physical things, uh, we would start with a setup point, and it goes like this. Even though, so even though I have this migraine headache, I deeply love and accept myself. And I was taught to do that three times. Even though I have this migraine headache, and I'm just using that as an example. I don't really have a migraine, thank goodness. Thank you. Even though I have this headache, I deeply love and accept myself. Even though I have this headache, I deeply love and accept myself. And then I was taught that you start the points, top of head, and you just go, this headache eyebrow, this migraine, side of eye, ooh, this bad headache, under the eye. And you just keep repeating the uh, the malady, right? And, and you would do that maybe three circuits. And that's how I first learned how to do tapping. And there was success with it, right? Here's how you tell. I, can I ask a question too? Yeah. Um, is, is there a, some sort of a medical or energetic purpose for doing those points in that order? Um, I don't know about a purpose in the order. That's the order I learned them in. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've seen, I, I usually see people go in that order, but I also see people, sometimes people just like tap, like on their breastbone, like mm -hmm. around their collarbones, and just tap mm -hmm. all over, and that's all they do. They don't mm -hmm. even do that circuit. Um, I learned that circuit, and I think it works well. Um, the other thing is that, and I even forgot it now, but you don't ever want to forget this. It's really powerful. And that is before you tap. You assess the pain, even if it's emotional pain, but physical pain, whatever it is, 
you assess that with what's known as an SUD. It's a subjective unit of discomfort. So, you know, when you're in a hospital room, they have a sign on the wall and it has a sad face and a one and then the happy face or whatever, right? It's like on a scale of one to 10, which one hurts the most? Right. So I would say perhaps, and, and you never overthink this. Just like ask yourself and let your intuition immediately tell you. So it's like, how bad is this headache? Oh, it's an eight, right? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things you just usually know. And then you go through the tapping rounds and then you ask yourself again. And this way, you know, when you're getting relief, because it's like, oh, wow, it's a six or it's a two, right? It's really mm-hmm. beautiful. So I'll tell you the story of what happened with Hurricane Ida. <laughs> uh, Hurricane Ida was going to be, came ashore as a Cat 4, which uh, it was only two miles per hour shy of a Cat 5. So we're talking about like 155 mile per hour winds. And if you've ever seen video of a tornado where like a house just blows apart or a tree just flies out of the ground, a giant tree, like this is what those kind of winds can do. Right. And it was coming at our house and our house has lots of very large trees around it. And these are the kind of large trees that if a wind takes them down, they'll just cut the house in half and you don't mm. want to be in the house. Which is no. So we decided to go to Dallas and we went to Dallas and we were there. Glad that we were there. We got there and Sunday night, which was the night that the hurricane was supposed to hit. Um, it was supposed to hit my town at midnight. So Sunday night, we went to dinner in Dallas, and we actually had a very lovely time. Um, we we joked that this might be one of the most wonderful date nights we've had in a decade, right, just because it was just, it was just lovely. And then we were walking back to our hotel, and my sandal caught the uneven corner of the sidewalk that was kind of broken, and I came crashing down on my knee and my hands. Ouch. Um, it was very bloody. And very painful. And I always think, and, and uh, family members will agree, that in a crisis, I'm usually the cool, calm, collected one that manages everything and le- keeps telling everybody it's going to be okay. We're good. Everything, just, you know, breathe, people. We're good. But see, when that's not true when it's a physical thing that happens to me. Mm. I think it's true for everybody. I turn into a complete, whiny, whimpery little mess, <laughs> just like I hit the ground and was immediately like, ah, 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 oh my God. And I got up and I was shaking my hands and, you know, my husband is trying to get me to, you know, he, he wanted me to check. He's like, is anything broken first? Right. You know, wiggle around. And he was helping me up. And it turns out I really injured my knee very badly. Um, something interesting happens to us when we have an injury. <laughs> and that is that our body, produces this amazing chemical called adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a few minutes after I went through my emotional meltdown, then I started cracking jokes and everything was really, really funny. And I didn't have any pain at all. And I was good, right? I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. And so we walked back to the hotel. We got me all cleaned up. Um, but later on, I could not put any weight on my knee at all. So I couldn't walk, which caused us to be stuck in the hotel room for another extra three or four days where we thought we were going to come home the next day. But I couldn't put weight on my knee. So the morning afterwards, I decided to tap. I have a lot of experience with tapping. And I was going to tap for pain and for swelling. My knee was very swollen. I have a wonderful medical team. Thank goodness. 
I happen to be blessed with two very beloved family members that are trauma injury specialists. Mm. So we were sending them video. They were asking questions. We were telemedicining with them and they were telling me what to do to get the swelling down. But I decided I was going to tap. And here's the part that I think is going to be so important, whether you'd ever tap or not, like this doesn't even have to be a tapping thing. But here's what I recognized. Even in my training for tapping early on, it was always tapping about, I would have been tapping something like this. I would have, I would have done the setup point on my hand and said, um, even though I have this knee injury, I deeply love and accept myself, right? I would go through that. And then I'd start the circuit and I would be going the swelling in my knee, uh, the swelling in my knee, the pain in my knee. And, and for the, for people who are listening, she's touching the various points touching on her head. Points, right? So top of the head, this swelling in my knee, eyebrow, this swelling in my knee, and I would have been just going on the pain, but something else got me. And then here's what I realized. I had so many emotions when I went down and crashed into the ground and on the way back to the hotel. In that period of time that I was sort of a mess, I had so many emotions. Hmm. I was feeling powerless because, you know, as you're flying through the air towards the cement, it's kind of powerless feeling. Right? You sure. Fly and you can't do anything about it. I was feeling angry at the city planners for there being a cracked sidewalk that wasn't fixed. <laughs> I was feeling guilty that I ruined our great night out. We were having so much fun and now, you know, it was a catastrophe and I was like injured. I was feeling frustrated and guilty and blaming myself that suddenly this trip was going to cost us a lot more than we expected because now I had to buy crutches and I had to stay in the hotel for extra three nights and all of this. I was feeling resentful because I don't know, something didn't happen that stopped this. I was feeling angry with myself and frustrated with myself because obviously I wasn't paying attention or I made a misstep or, you know, all of these, like seriously, when I started tapping, I decided to tap on emotion hmm. and so many emotions came up and here's the revelation I had that up until the point when I decided consciously I was going to tap on emotion, I had brushed all the emotion away. Ooh. I had said, no, 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 I'm good. I recovered from that meltdown. I'm fine. But that if we don't, if we don't address the emotion, if we don't process it, recognize it, acknowledge it, that emotion is still in the body because that's where emotion lives and it will present itself. It will express itself. And how will it do that? Through the pain in my knee. Sure. It will express itself through the injury, which means you don't heal as fast. The swelling keeps going. The pain keeps throbbing because these emotions are trying to get out and be processed. Which so, by the way, I, I just got to interrupt and just say, I, I, I feel a little bit better now about my own, process growing up and becoming an adult and then through my young adulthood and so forth where I kept bearing emotions and, I, and bearing emotions and bearing emotions. And I, I mean, it's nice to know that lots of other people have lots of other ways to bear emotions beyond what I had come up with. So, I mean, it's kind of actually reassuring, you know, well, think about it even from, and, and I, and I know I've done this, I've done this probably thousands of times, right? When a small child is having an emotion and we correct them, don't yeah. cry, oh, God, don't yes. cry. You know, don't be angry. Don't be this. Don't be that. It's like, I grew up with like, there weren't very many emotions that were really approved of or allowed. Not even the joyful right? ones. <laughs> yeah, really. Because then when you get too happy, you're making too much noise. Calm right, down. exactly. <laughs> and so I, 
I cannot, t I went from, I didn't have a ton of pain, but I recognized as I was tapping that the emotional weight was really heavy. I had all these emotions about how wrong I was for letting this happen, about I must be out of shape that I tripped, um, about, the, I mean, it was, it was sort of ridiculous when I started going, how many emotions came up. And by the time I got done tapping, um, I tapped on the shock in my body. I tapped on the surprise and the, the surprising impact of falling on my body. Um, I tapped on, I just, I tapped on mostly just emotions and forgiving myself. I tapped, I forgive myself for whatever circumstance this was. I let it go. And I'm telling you, I was so fired up by the time I quit to 10 minutes. That's all I spent. I spent 10 minutes. Wow. And I was so, first of all, I had zero pain in my body when I finished tapping. Hmm. But it's not just about the absence of pain, like the energy in my body. Like Jackie can tell you, I called her. So I was like, I have to talk to you about this. Like, I'm so excited. I called my son who understand both of my sons know how to tap and have, you know, I taught, they were in their teenage years when I taught them. And so they've tapped around all kinds of things. It's not a weird thing to talk about in our family, right? If somebody has an issue, we're like, well, did you tap about it? Mm. Um, but just recognizing that I felt like Wonder Woman when I got done. I felt like I could rule the world. Um, I Two days afterwards, I could put weight on it. And I would say now it's been a week. Um, well, it was a Sunday, so it's been a little more than a week, 10 days, and I can walk on it. And it's still a little bit swollen, mm -hmm. but the pain is about it, when there's pain, which 90% of the time there's no pain. If I move it too much, the pain is a two. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really good. And so I've been thinking so much about the idea that we talk about emotions and law of attraction all the time. Mm -hmm. And how many times we have an emotion. And once we get over the initial, you know, flood of emotion in our system, we just push it away. Yeah. And By the way, I, I, I got to bring something in. I don't know if you saw this in the live stream. Luke was sharing, as you were telling the story and explaining how tapping worked, he, he shared a little story of his own. He says, uh, whoa, I just tried tapping as I have a toothache for my wisdom tooth. It's been understandable all day, but I feel like the pain did decrease. Yeah. And, he, and that, that was like after one minute of you describing this thing. He, he wasn't even, you were hardly oh, into the wow. story when he wrote this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and look, if you, if you want, if you go on, you know, you're, you know YouTube, if you just search for tapping or EFT, you can actually search for wisdom tooth tapping. You know, you'll probably mm -hmm. get a hundred videos of people leading you through the tapping point. So it's, um, there's something that's known in the tapping world, uh, where people will get together and tap for each other. They'll all tap. So it'll be like me leading you through the tapping. We all tap on the same thing, but they'll be tapping for someone like say tapping for you with your wisdom tooth. And, other people that weren't even having issues start realizing that certain other pain they had in their body is just going away. They call it <laughs> benefits because it's like, you know, we're tapping for each other, but it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal modality. But I think I really feel like after 19 years of tapping that this experience showed me where the juice really is. And the juice really is to recognize the emotions that you've had for the incident 
right? Like, so you've got a toothache and there may be all these emotions attached. Just like, well, there must be something wrong with me or I, or I wouldn't have this pain or like what mm-hmm. I knew I should have gone to the dentist earlier or whatever. Yeah. Like, we blame ourselves for so much stuff. Yeah, right? If you'd only gone to that dentist, you wouldn't have fallen on the floor. <laughs> right. well, whatever it is. But it's like, there's, there's always emotions attached and we've been trained so much to dismiss emotion and to not be emotional. Like emotions are bad and emotions are not bad. Emotions are how we consciously create. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of, um, I think part of the, um, uh, one of the failings, shall we say of the law of attraction thing is the, um, the rush to get happy, the rush to dismiss, um, emotions that we feel are, unhelpful or whatever. Um, but in the acknowledgement is different. We have to understand that acknowledgement is not the same as dismissing and an acknowledgement will bring you to neutral and from neutral, it's easier to get happy. But if you keep going, yes. I mustn't feel this. I shouldn't be angry. I, I shouldn't be pissed off at so-and-so for not fixing it. Like you start, that's where your, where your emotion is. Um, getting happy from there is dismissal. Whereas when we go, you know, okay. So even though I love that phrase, I use it a lot. Even though I, you know, even though I'm pissed, even though I'm really annoyed at this person, um, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to, I'm going to just, you know, so you acknowledge the emotions because emotions are what are humans, what we do as humans. And so acknowledging the non-peasy ones, the non-happy ones, that's so important to going to, um, to getting to a point where you can reach for a better feeling thought, you know, and, and reach for a better feeling, period. And also embodiment, right? Because emotions are in the body mm-hmm. and they have to move through the body. And some of them require certain things, right? Like, Sadness and grief often require tears. That's how, that's how those emotions move in the body. And so Mm -hmm. when we dismiss them, they're still in the body. We're just sort of shoving them away and shoving them down and they just fester. They just, Mm -hmm. they don't just leave by themselves. But once they're acknowledged, I had someone say in a, a workshop I was in about grief that grief requires to be, uh, witnessed. And that's all that grief wants. It wants to be witnessed. And I feel that way with some of these emotions is they just need to be acknowledged. And once, once we acknowledge them, they usually just dissolve and fade away mm-hmm. instead of get pushed down forever and make us feel, you know, I've had people say things to me like I had a client that was, or actually a friend years ago that was in a, a marriage that was not working. And I ran into her somewhere and she had been divorced and she was telling me about it. And she said, oh, yeah, for five years, every time I heard his car come into the driveway, I got a knot in my stomach. Mm. Well, he was just pushing it down, right? But sometimes when our body whispers to us and we don't acknowledge, then it starts screaming to us. Mm. And that was the part that that I thought Jackie was going to touch on when she was talking about how you don't want to just dismiss the whole thing. You want want to go experience it. Because I, I, I thought you were going to mention that if you try to dismiss it, it actually gets harder to get happy. Because it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost impossible when, yeah, when, when you're, you're, when you're just kind of pushing it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. absolutely. And it's, so it's, it's so interesting because you, you watch, um, 
uh, I, I, I was reading, I can't remember where I found this, but the guy was um, likening the fact that when an animal has a shock, it'll shake. It'll yes. literally, yes. it'll shake it out of itself. Um, you yes. know, it'll, it'll either tremor initially and then it'll deliberately shake itself out. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so tapping is a more deliberate point of that, but you can dance, you can go for a run, you can go for a walk, you can yeah. actually just flail like Kermit the Frog until <laughs> you feel well. Um, but there's all these things that, that we need to let things move through because as much as we like to think and we know we are, you know, beings having a human experience, we have bodies. We have to tend to what gets stuck in them and what, what the way they have to process things. Absolutely true. By the way, there's also another comment from Luke who uh, shared his experience with the wisdom tooth. He says, it was crazy. I, I felt this energy of soothing in the area of the pain when I accepted the pain as my body signaling me to stop drinking all that Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love, you know, it's so important that our bodies are so smart, mm-hmm. right? And like, if we'll just listen and acknowledge Often it's that clear. That's mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah very cool. definitely. Because yeah. when we don't listen to the whispers, they just get louder and louder and louder. Yeah, whispers mm-hmm. become two by fours after a while. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they do. really do. Well, you were talking about like burying feelings, you know, as a as a young person growing up, and I mean, I think everyone does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's yeah. one of the things that we're. Um, I see. I see something happening in at least in the circles that I, you know, listen to and hear in the past maybe year that I'm hearing more and more and more people talk about embodiment, talk about a somatic experience, right? Like feeling things in the body, recognizing that emotions are something we feel in the body and that experiences and trauma stays with us in the body until like we do, like Jackie said, you know, consciously and intentionally um, process it. And we might mm-hmm. process it through tapping or shaking or dancing or talking acknowledgement, but recognizing that these things are held in the body. I've probably told this story before, but it's worth repeating. I had a client that uh, I was coaching that was going through some stuff in her career where um, some people on her team uh, were really not treating her well and she was having trouble standing up for herself. And that was one of the um, things that we talked about in our call about, you know, you're going to have to stand up for yourself. And she, she knew that she was going to, but she was still trying to figure out how and manage all of that process and get the courage to do it, know what to say. And one day I got a message from her saying, can, do you have time for an emergency session? Hmm. And I'll never forget this. I was literally walking in an outside shopping mall and I said, yes. And I put my, my earbuds in and I sat down on a park bench that was there by a fountain. And I said, yes, call me 15 minutes. She called and said, we don't know what to do because I can't move. I'm on the couch. I've seen the physical therapist. I've seen the chiropractor and nobody can fix it. And I just, I said, what's the worst thing about this? She said, I can't stand up. And I said, Mm -hmm. are you ready to stand up for yourself? 
<laughs> that was probably body, a shock. Was <laughs> speaking to you. And she said, oh, my God. And then she said, oh, my God, my phone's ringing. It's them. I have to go. I'm ready. The next day, she sent me a picture of herself hiking in the canyons. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, after, after that conversation, after I took the call and said the things I needed to say, all the pain left. Hmm. So, I mean, so you had all the background with her, but I, I love, I love your line. Are you ready to stand up for yourself? I mean, yeah, I was just, bam. I, when I asked the question, right? What's the worst thing about this? I can't stand up. It was like mm. so obvious. That this was attached to the thing we discussed that was top of mind in the last session. We just stand up. So our body speaks to this, speaks this way often. Like we have all these sayings, right? We say something is a pain in the ass. We say something's a pain in the neck. We say, right? I mean, we have all of these expressions we use and often in our dreams and in our physical experience, our body will speak to us using these metaphors because they're common to us. It's actually a little bit frightening how, to realize how strong the body is too, by the way. Because I mean, the body, yeah. her body literally put her down on the ground. She couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's power. That's some real strong power going on there. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And embodiment is is part of um is it's so important. Of course I always go to the theater side, but you know when when <laughs> you um if you're playing somebody who's angry or you're playing somebody who's rigid in their viewpoint, rigid in their perspective about something, right? So they're very proper. There's a set to your spine. There's a way that you move. You're not going to be all loosey-goosey playing that person. The mm. You can read in a body the mindset and the emotions. Right. You can read in – we read body language all the time. Right. So I use this the other way around in my clients. I had a client who needed to make a massive presentation and she said, I am so nervous. I can't even put two words together. And so the first thing was to say to her that you can be nervous and effective. They don't have to. You can have huge butterflies and stage fright and still deliver an amazing command performance. Ask Henry Fonda, right? So this is <laughs> – he was, he was in his 80s. He was. Throwing up backstage, right? Yeah. You can have both. We like to think that we can't have this emotion and still do the thing, but we actually can. And then the other part was to say, if your body can give you the information you actually want, that would be useful. So there's a brilliant TED Talk um, by Dr. Alison Cuddy, Mm C-U-D-D-Y, about body language your body language being part of your identity. And she talks about the superhero pose, which you can imagine it's every Marvel comic you've ever seen, you know, the slightly spelled legs, the hands on the hips in a fist, shoulders back, chin up, chest up, um, lots of distance, as my dancing teacher would say, lots of distance between your earlobes and your shoulders, right? You, you really stretch up. When you're five foot, you do that anyway, but most people you need to stretch up. So it's a case of, of if you stand in that position for more than 90 seconds, your body will read it as the emotion of confidence. Mm. 
And this is and your body, your brain will produce testosterone. Yes, it believes it starts to produce things that the cocktail that makes you feel confident. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of that, there's a glorious um, peanuts cartoon by Schultz, um, by Charles Schultz, where Charlie Brown is trying to explain to Sally how to be depressed. And he says, <laughs> he says, you, I mean, it's, he's all in all seriousness, you know, like, oh, like yeah. you know, and he's standing with his head against the tree, like his, you know, how he stands, <laughs> his head, head against the tree. And he says, you really have to stand like this. You have to bend your shoulders and look down because, and then you move to the next frame. He says, if you start standing up and looking up, you'll feel better. And that's, we're not doing that. So we have to stand like this. And this is, this is the magic of working with your body instead of against it. Right? Because like with Cindy's knee, if she had resisted what was going on with the knee and the emotions that were trying to work through her body and through her knee and all that thing, that's the part that takes so long to heal. We can work with our bodies on affirming things and disaffirming things. There's a lot of stuff that we disaffirm in our, in our abilities um, because we haven't let our body have its moment and have its say. Mm -hmm. And then we can use it the other way and go, our bodies know how to do this. Our bodies know how to produce a feel-good cocktail. So do the thing that gives you the feel-good cocktail. And then also tap through the stuff that feels like sludgy and in the way, which is emotions that you've pushed aside or you've been taught to not process, which is most of the case. For me, it was generally ladylike. It is unladylike to be angry. It is unladylike to be, um, you know, resentful or pouty or any of those things. So you just, you behaved, right? And yeah. so... This is, this is, that was my upbringing. So the idea of, of being so angry that you throw things at somebody, it was like, oh my God, I had to get into the theater to see people who were doing that. <laughs> um, in my yeah. very English world, that didn't happen. Um, little girls are sugar and spice and everything. That's right. Right, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. But then we do the same to our boys. We say boys don't cry. Um, mm. You know, it's like, you know, and, and it's so so debilitating, so debilitating. And so there's this, there's this both sides, everything. In my world, everything is inside, outside. You have to do both. And so you work with your body, through your body, using your emotions, releasing your emotions, because there's nothing wrong here. We always have to remind ourselves that our responses are just our responses, Yep. That an emotion isn't wrong or right. It's not even helpful or unhelpful. It just is. Yep. And the more yep. we can just is it, the less we will be affected by its residue and, and effects. You know, it's interesting that you just used the word residue because I was thinking that that's exactly what this felt like. Um, when I got done tapping, it was like I felt like a clear channel. Like, I felt like there wasn't anything clogging or blocking or I just felt clear. Like, the energy was moving through my body in a very clear way. And, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't physical pain that was blocking that. It was emotion. 
mm-hmm. death, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like uh, just amazing. So I think, yeah, it all works together. And I am very, very happy to be seeing this sort of renaissance of recognition that we do hold on to things in our bodies and that all emotions are valid and that boys should be able to cry and girls should be able to scream and rage and that it's all okay. It's just all information, right? And if we can get to that place where we can just say it, we can process it. We can say, I feel angry about this. Not I am, right? Not I am angry because I am so much more than an emotion, Mm-hmm. But I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel joyous. I feel frustrated, whatever, that we can just say what we feel and we don't judge ourselves for it. And we one, of the things I, others, one of right? the things I like about what I'm seeing in society at large, and I, I agree with you about what you're seeing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm seeing the same thing, is if somebody does try to be judgy about it, Somebody else will, will, will nine times out of ten jump in and say, don't judge that. Don't do that. They don't even necessarily know what the issues are. It's like, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it wouldn't, it would have been the opposite of that. Right. So it's just in that, that time of period, there's been this, this shift in not necessarily uh, a conscious awareness because I'm not sure how much of this was actually discussed consciously, but it's almost like the subconscious thing. Like we're not going to put up with that anymore. We're not going to play that game anymore. We don't necessarily know why this is important, but we've had enough. We've had enough of that one. So we're just going to stand up. It is. Yeah, it is another renaissance. I really do think that, you know, humans go through these eras, um, you know, and and we we go through revolutions. Um, First, we stood up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then we got, we got wheels. Wheels was mm-hmm. another big one. We fell down and crashed our knees. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to stand up on wheels, which probably decimated half of us. Um, but, it, <laughs> but, it, but then we, you know, then we, then we add machinery to the wheels and now we've got technology and the internet. And now I think we go back to what it is to be human. Yeah. What it is to be, to be us and let that be our prime directive, right? That sounds like Transformers. Um, it, it sounds, it's like this is where we start going. Being human is what we're here for. We are here to. We are. We are beings having a human experience, and emotions and bodies are part of it. We don't go to the aesthetic um, extremes of punishing the body and diminishing the the. the um, the emotions, and neither do we go to full-fledged hedonism where there is this. Well, I mean, I love. I'm I'm basically hedonistic, but but it is this thing of where there's we do things that are in excess, not good for us, right? Um, but on so so somewhere in there, we find our own rightness, our own equilibrium, and yeah, and and emotions. Actions, body, self, all of those things, they all play a part. And this, they really do. This renaissance that we're talking about, this sudden acknowledgement Age of, of humanity and emotion and things being, you know, somatic power in the body, I think that this is part of the evolution that will bring us to the point where we can consciously create a world that's better. We've mm-hmm. got to have these pieces in place first. Mm-hmm. And, and they're coming into place. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to see, I think. And like I said, it sounds crazy, but I, I don't regret this, this happening to, 
to me uh, because it happened for me. I don't regret, you know, crashing on the sidewalk. Yeah, you probably don't want to repeat it again, but but the experience produced a really wonderful growth result for you. I think that's what you're really talking about here. Yeah, I I don't I don't want to repeat it, but I don't I I think that if we get the lesson, we don't repeat it. Right. Right. But because I also just want to mention that you don't have to manifest crashing into the pavement in order to get the lesson. This everybody is true. listening, everybody listening to Cindy now can thank her for having crashed into the pavement. So I we took one for the team. You took yeah. it for the team, right? <laughs> everybody, right? Because we don't have to. We can, through technology, we can have the experience without having to do the experience. That's this is true, point. and also sometimes we're going to learn that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yep. Yeah, sure. Well, well, sometimes we're slow. You know, we, one, one experience isn't enough. We got to do it again. Sometimes, I mean, that's the other thing is that when you find yourself in the place where you're saying, "Why does this keep happening to me?" Mm. Um, I don't know if either of you have been there, but I know I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Um, that is actually a wonderful moment. Because that's mm-hmm. the moment when you start recognizing the pattern. Yes. And the thing is, is that up until now, <laughs> um, chaos is actually a pattern interrupt. Chaos mm-hmm. is a pattern interrupt that causes you to be able to create something different. And if you look at that even in a very small way, like my situation, right? I really was going along just nicely having a wonderful time. And this was like the surprising shock. But I evolved through it and I learned something through it. And so if it did happen every single time, first of all, I'd have to say, like, maybe these aren't the best running shoes, right? Or <laughs> or maybe I should take a different route or whatever. When we have that pattern recognition, that's when we can break the pattern. It's a pattern interrupt. So it's actually a really good thing. I don't want to do this again, though. You're correct. Absolutely. No. I don't want anyone else having to crash on the sidewalk either. Once I enough. used to skate. I was a skater girl growing up in the 70s in California. Um, and my knee didn't just hit the pavement. So did my hands. Mm. And the palms of my hands were bloody. Ouch. And I said, oh, this is one of the jokes I was making once I got through my, my meltdown whimpery <laughs> scene and I started joking. I said, this is why I stopped skating. I ah, <laughs> it all comes back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, so, it's so interesting. I mean, in a, in a sort of a, a side note, when we moved to, when we went to visit Savannah the first time, because Savannah is one of my favorite places in the country. Um, I'm such an architectural geek. I love old houses. So I would spend 99% of my time walking around Savannah, looking up, looking at the gables, <laughs> at the gargoyles, and constantly the number of times that I nearly fell on my face and I did fall on my face were fairly numerous, right? <laughs> and I, I kept tripping and I kept either having to latch myself onto my husband or a couple of times I did fall and I got, you know, I was caught, I didn't, it wasn't bad, but it, I did fall. And then it was like, okay, why does this keep happening to me? I have to actually stop and look and then come back to walking and stop and look. And it's just like I had this whole different approach to things. But what was really cool was when I stopped to look, I saw more. Yes. And so it was a really lovely awareness that – that when you're trying to absorb something and enjoy something, um, monofocus is actually a good thing. 
So it was, you know, <laughs> so it was just, that's just a sideways, a segue story, but it is this pattern interrupt, um, and noticing patterns. What, what is, when you get a pattern interrupt, it means there's a pattern. And the pattern has information for you. Yeah, My wife, Louise, had an experience like that. She had an experience about, I guess, a year ago where we were out bike riding. And uh, listeners of the program will know that she went through a thing where she was, um, with both medical help and energetic help, recovering from hyperthyroidism. And for the longest time, she was laid up. Um, this is one of our first forays out there. It was the first time that we'd actually gone biking since that whole thing had happened. So it had been literally a few years since she had been on a bike and we're out riding. We weren't going to go very far. We were going three or four miles, something like that. We got out a ways and she kind of got herself focused on something else when she should have been focusing on the bike. And she went over and fell and hit the ground pretty, pretty darn hard. Actually, um, it took a while to, to help her get up and so forth. And, uh, so we figured, okay, let's cut the trip short. So we turned around to go home and on the way home, she fell again. And she fell on the same knee in the same place. And it really, really hurt a lot. And once again, the same kind of question, why am I doing this over and over again? Why do I keep doing this? Well, came to the same conclusion. She had been trying to get on the bike the second time. She tried to get on the bike the same way she did when she was a kid. You know, you put your foot on the pedal and you're pushing along and then you swing your other leg over. She was trying to do that. And I said, just put your feet over before you get going so you're in position and then start off. She's, oh, okay. She hasn't fallen since. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, so, and it's being in present time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So because of that, she now is able to pay attention to doing the biking when she's actually riding the bike. And if she needs mm-hmm. to stop to do something, she actually stops to do something. Mm-hmm. Plus, wearing yeah. a helmet helps too. But nevertheless, I mean, if you take these steps, you know, you, you not only do you prevent yourself from falling again, which is really painful, especially if you hit the same spot, but you also learn that focus you're talking about. That's that was mm-hmm. what I was really keying in on. That part that you talked about, how you notice the details more. Well, she's noticing the yeah. details more. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting so, yeah. to think about muscle memory. It's not just we think of muscle memory as like playing an instrument and our fingers are, are typing, right? Muscle memory. <laughs> but this one too, this muscle, <laughs> the gray matter, right? It, it has that kind of where we automatically react or to, to things. And that's another place that we need to recognize those, those patterns, right? Because a lot of our thoughts and neural firings are just automatic and they're just, we, we have a saying for it. We talk about knee jerk reaction. It's just a reaction, not really a response. Mm-hmm. And so when we start seeing that pattern, we can get intentional about it. And it takes time to change muscle memory or mm-hmm. to change. You know, I don't know if you've ever like used a phone app or something like that and they change it and you keep well, on Facebook. There you go. I always just say when, when Facebook changes everything around, it's like coming home and the furniture is rearranged. <laughs> yes. Where is it? Is. Yeah. And so it takes time. We have to be patient with ourselves and gentle, but tapping can really help there too. Tapping can work hmm. for any situation that we want to break a pattern and heal. But this remember is- when you tap to, uh, there's lots of tapping videos out there. Like YouTube is loaded with them. 
and not all of them might go into the detail around emotion, but write your own script when you're tapping like that. Make sure that you tap on whatever comes up. Make sure you tap on all the emotions that are there. I had emotions I didn't even recognize until I started <laughs> tapping, right? Like being frustrated with like the city of Dallas for having a broken sidewalk, right? <laughs> I was like resentful about that, right? It's so funny when it came up, I was just laughing at myself. I was like, wow, you really had it going here. Like I had, right. you know, um, as you were talking there too, I mean, I know that we touched on this earlier, but it just kind of clicked in my head. It may have just kind of clicked for listeners too, so I'll, I'll mention it. The name of it is emotional yeah. freedom technique. Freedom right. technique, yeah. Emotional, not physical, right. not body, mm-hmm. not pain, emotional. Mm. I'll tell yeah. you what's funny is that when I used to tap for my son who was racing, I told, we had this big discussion because he was the other person I called to try to check Um, and I said to him, you know, when I was tapping for you, it was easier for me to imagine emotional things. So I might tap like for him having muscle cramps, for him needing, de- uh, needing more water and for him feeling like he might let his team down if he loses, right? But when mm-hmm. I tap, when I was tapping for myself, I just pushed all the emotional stuff over. Eh, that's good. I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of stoic that way, so it's like, oh, I'm good. Um, so give yourself the space to recognize. Yes, that's that's the aha. I even said to Jackie, "Oh my gosh, Jackie, it's called emotional freedom." <laughs> <laughs> right there so, in the title. Yes, I know. Right but this is part of the, Yeah, it is part of it. it what I love most about the setup statement, and I keep coming back to it, it says, even though I feel this, even though I'm dealing with this, I still love and appreciate myself. Yes. It's so important because when you have a feeling and then you weaponize it against yourself for having that feeling, now you've got a twofer, right? Now you've got twice as much energetic weight. And a whole lot of extra stuff that you needn't have had to deal with if you didn't make it wrong to have the thing that you're having. So when you're angry, just be angry. And when you're sad, just be sad. It doesn't say anything about you as a human, your worthiness, your ability. is nothing. It is simply you having a feeling. That's something that we really are doing a good service to our community and to mankind about acknowledging feelings for just being feelings. Mm-hmm. I, I love that we spent a good portion of today's show talking about that because I, I do think there's still, even today, there's still a lot of judginess about feelings, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's receding. It's not as much as it was before. Yeah, I yeah. think I think as as societal rigidity settles, you know, sort of melts. I think we are, and it's part of our evolution. I think it, you know we're heading into the age of Aquarius. We are understanding ourselves as a collective, and and ourselves as individual parts of, of as humans. Basically, that's what it is. We plus, are, plus, we're also we're we're doing an ex, a long term experiment, and you do the oh, experiment yeah. long enough, and you keep trying over and over again to you know 
push down the feelings or blame the feelings or, or say that the feelings are wrong and it doesn't get any better. Eventually you say, well, this isn't working. <laughs> Not working. <laughs> Not working. Eventually. Yes. Eventually. Yes. Absolutely. So I think that's absolutely. where we are. We're, a lot of us are at the point now where we're saying, okay, this doesn't work. Let's try something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. I and teach God. a lot of my clients about the allocation of meaning. Yeah. Um, I think I talked about it in the very first call we did where, where we all get to decide the meaning of something. Very little has an intrinsic meaning. And emotions are actually one of those things that it's, it's that we can see a man cry and some of us will go, of course he's crying. He's sad. There's just like, okay, he's crying. It's not a problem. And others will go, oh, he's obviously, you know, there's something wrong with him. He should be more stoic. He's not, he's not whole, you know. Um, and, and then there'll be judgments and all this kind of, it, it is, we allocate meaning to feelings. We are taught to allocate meaning to feelings and we can undo that. We can say, I simply have a feeling. Um, my, my, one of the things that my mom used to say is, is I have a sad or I oh. have, I have an angry, I have a rage, I have a disappointment. Um, and it was, it was, I hadn't realized just how, um, how wise she was in this, but she would container it. So for example, she would say, I have a disappointment about your grades. Not, I'm disappointed in you. Right. As my kid. It's like, I have this disappointment. I have a rage about you breaking my coffee cup. Right. I have, it is, it is, it is contained and it makes it so much easier to have a perspective on first because it's not all encompassing and overwhelming. It has a, it has a context. And within that context, it is easier to normalize, accept, allow, let it move through, let it process, let it speak about it tap about it, dance it through, whatever these things are that you need to do to not hold on to it because otherwise you get to be a hoarder of oh, feelings and that's really <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> I, I have a lot of experience with that, so I know exactly what you mean, hanging on to yeah. those feelings for years at a time and that's not even know that you're hanging on to them. That's the other part. You, they, yeah, you hang on to them long enough, you don't even know they're there. Yeah, bearing grudges, bearing, um, you know, all those kind of things, that sort of covert hostility that comes up when people remember something that you've long forgotten and you go, wait, you're still pissed about that? (laughs) Well, and you hold them in your body and they cause Mm dis-ease. Yes, they do. Absolutely. And and the cells know. So the cells start doing, and this is then you get into Louise Haywork, right, where the cells know and they start doing things that cells – healthy cells wouldn't um and then you're into a whole biology part so yeah just tap on the feelings let them go all feelings have are legitimate and all feelings have merit well this has been great i'm glad that we did the emotional freedom technique as a show because we were long overdue to do that so thank you cindy Mm -hmm. for bringing this to our attention telling us such a wonderful story too that was a great story thank thank you luke for sharing his story (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for calling us. So we could all have this. You really did take one for the team. We appreciate it. <laughs> So with that cheery thought in mind, thank you very much to all our listeners everywhere, and we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. 